It's time for our main speaker. Uh, please welcome Aaron from Earth. <laughs> uh, I'm an alcoholic. My name's Aaron. And uh, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, Laura and uh, Pets for asking me to come and participate in my recovery. And um, I really, really like to uh, thank the, the group for having me and uh, the warm welcome. That was just awesome. And most importantly, I'd like to thank Lauren for coming and sharing her uh, experience, nothing, hope, and carrying the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I'd like to welcome the newcomers. Welcome home. Welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous. I sincerely mean that. And I really hope that out of the um, the shares that you've heard um, already, that you heard something that would connect you to Alcoholics Anonymous and a better life. And um, I'd like to uh, congratulate uh, the chip people, six years, Carrie and uh, Frankie, 24 years, and um, in the out of town uh, people as well. So, uh, you know, I have a sobriety date, July the 23rd, 1997. And for that, I'm truly grateful. I have a sponsor. Dave K and I have a home group, a men's stag meeting in the city of uh, Orange. Uh, the name of the meeting is 777, you know, and they told me when I arrived at that meeting that I hit the jackpot, you know, and I'm like, I had no idea what they were talking about, you know, but, uh, you know, and so what I'm supposed to do is just uh, share my experience, my strength and my hope and my experiences, you know, it's like I grew up in a great family. I grew up here in Orange County and um, in Santa Ana to be exact. You know, I went to school. My parents were great parents. They they very rarely drank. And, uh, you know, my mother would leave a six pack in the refrigerator for about six months. And I just thought that was just crazy, you know. And so one time I just had to go in there and I just had to drink one just to see what it tastes like. And when I drank it, you know, she noticed that it was gone. And, you know, I don't know why she asked me who drank my beer. And the first thing that I did is I pointed to my older brother, you know, and I'm like, he did it, you know. And so right away, I just started off lying, you know. And I just uh, remember us sitting down at, a, um, at the dinner table every day. We decided to be home before the lights were off. You know, and uh, sitting at the dinner table and the parents are asking us, hey, you know, what are your goals? You know, and, um, you know, I had to go second because I was the second oldest. And so, you know, my older brother, he said he wanted to be a cop. And I'm already thinking, I don't like him. We ain't got nothing in common, you know, and the hell with him. He wants to be a cop, you know. You know, that's just like, you know, not good for me, you know, and I wanted to be a, um, a baseball player and um, and my younger brother wanted to be a uh, basketball player, you know, and uh, we all achieved our goals. He became a cop and, uh, you know, so I didn't develop a relationship, a good relationship with him because I was already doing stuff that warrants police services, you know, a lot of times, you know, and, and I was still a juvenile doing these type of things. and. Um, and my, my older brother went to Australia, played basketball, and, um, and you know, here I am trying to play baseball in, uh, in high school and uh, in the little leagues that I get in, and, and I had something that was blocking me, and uh, what was blocking me was my attitude, 
and my behavior, you know, and, and I didn't know that that started a, a process of my alcoholism. I had no idea, you know, but what I wanted to do was I wanted to hang out with the people that were cool, you know, that was dressed nice, they were smoking cigarettes, they had a little beer in their hand because that was an attraction for me. And oh, there were some girls involved, you know, and that was such an attraction for me, you know, and I just wanted to be like that, you know, and, and so what I had to do is I had to go over to that side of the fence, you know, and I can remember being in high school, you know, going to high school, getting kicked out of one high school and going to another high school in Santa Ana. And um, the, one of my friends, he looked like he was 21 in high school. And so we had a store that we could go buy um, beer at. And, um, and so um, we didn't have any money. So what we did is we started taking money from the vending machines uh, when kids would put their money in and we would just start asking them for their change. And if they didn't give it to us, we just kind of, you know, uh, manhandled it and uh, just took the money. And, you know, and that's how my juvenile life started going. And I can remember we took some money one time and they went and told the principal and the principal pulled us into the office and, um, and they closed the door, you know, and I'm just thinking that they're going to call our parents and they're just gonna send us home, but they called and the police came and, and they took us in the police car and took us to Santa Ana uh, Police Department. And I'll tell you, I was like scared. And the reason why I was scared is because I know who they're gonna go call. They're gonna go call my mother. And when they call my mother, my mother is just gonna beat my butt. You know, today is child abuse, but she gonna beat my butt in front of the police and then she gonna take me home and beat me again. You know, and that's something I did not want, you know, and that that happened. And um, I got to tell you guys, I wish that could have stopped me, but it didn't stop me because the attraction has already kicked in, you know, and um, I remember the best I could do was graduate from high school, you know, and uh, go to a graduation and, and, and do those things. And I went to college, but I didn't like college. And, and all I could do was just I, I just wanted to work. And I, I wanted to drink and I wanted to do other things alcoholically. And uh, I, I did that, you know, and uh, I did that for a long period of time. And, and I can remember my brother becoming a cop in Stanton. And I can remember I was about, I don't know, 19, 20. And um, I was working at uh, the YMCA. <laughs> That's why I was funny. Passcode was YMCA. I was like, I was like, wow, uh, YMCA in Santa Ana, and uh, you know, you always meet people that do some of the same things that you do. And this guy met, I met, he lived in um, in Newport Beach, you know. And mind you, I, I don't swim, so I don't go to the beach, and I'm not going to Newport Beach, you know, because I'm already thinking that somebody gonna try to drown me anyway so i'm not going to the beach i don't do the beach you know but i will go to the beach you know today but so what happened is i go to newport beach and i get this stuff that this guy has you know and i swear he said aaron do not drive on this and all i heard was aaron drive on this you know and and what i had to do is i had to get back to santa Ana and i had to get back to my comfort zone and the way that I had to get back to my comfort zone, I had to get in my Volkswagen and I had to drive. And 
I had to drive from Newport Beach and I was on Fairview. I, I can remember like it was just like yesterday. I was on Fairview. I hit a lady in the crosswalk. And um, when I hit the lady in the crosswalk, I'm like, oh my goodness, right? But she got up. So I just took off because, you know, I'm thinking that she's okay, you know, and all I hear is sirens coming, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, I got guns drawn on me and I had no idea why, you know, and um, the police, it was a Costa Mesa police department. And what they did is they took me down to that Costa Mesa uh, police department and uh, they arrested me and um, they couldn't smell any alcohol. And uh, they asked me what I was on and, um, I said, nothing, you know, my mouth opens up, a lie shoots out. And uh, they said, can we take a blood test? You know, and I'm 19 or 20 years old. You know, I got to tell you guys, I'm like a mama's boy, right? And and the first thing came out of my mouth is uh, call my mama, <laughs> right? You know, and I'm supposed to be a tough guy because, you know, I'm talking crazy to the cops and I'm a tough guy. So I think, you know, and they called my mother. What happened um, at that point is uh, my mother called my brother and my brother knew everybody down there in Costa Mesa. And what happened was there were no charges uh, uh, on Monday. There were no charges. And I don't know what that would do for anybody else, but what it did for me is it gave me an opportunity to use my brother's profession to the best of my ability. And so what I'm really telling you is I'm a taker and I continue to take, and that's how my life continued to go. And anytime I got in trouble, all I would do is just call my brother. And for some reason, he always got me out, you know? And so now I'm just fighting the system. I'm beating the system, you know, with my brother, you know? And I, I don't know why he continued to do it because maybe he's seen something that I couldn't see in myself. You know, I, and, you know that's the only thing I can come up with. You know, and um, he became the, one of the highest ranked police officers that you can become. And, uh, and I continue, I continue to utilize his profession to the best of my ability. And I, I tell you, you know, I would go in and out, bounce in and out of jails, you know, and, um, and I remember the last time I went to jail was just like, I didn't pay, um, I didn't pay my tickets. And uh, what happened when I didn't pay my tickets is a, a warrant came out, you know, and I'm driving his truck and um, and it's registered to him. And, and I, what I do is I just drive down these streets and I get what I want and I'm in his truck and I can remember them pulling me over. And, um, and, and they says, uh, you know, they actually said, whose truck is this? <laughs> and my chest stuck out a little more. I said, my brothers, and they actually let me go because they, they could see whose truck it was and they let me go. And the last time I went to um, the jail, you know, I had like $6,500 worth of tickets and it was in the Fullerton court. And I called my wife and I asked her to call my brother because you know what, uh, I, I don't know where this is gonna lead me, but I think I need some help right now. And um, and so I um, go to the court and uh, they call my name and the lady, uh, the judge says she's just gonna give me like six months. And I'm like, I can't do six months. You know, that's crazy, you know, at all in one time. And um, and I looked at the bailiff and I'm like, dude, did somebody talk to you? Did my brother come and talk to you? And what happened is uh, he went up to the judge because my brother had went and talked to the bailiff. 
And when he went and talked to the bailiff, the bailiff went and talked to the judge and they gave me a second call. And what they did is they just smashed everything and, and, and I was out again, you know? And um, there's a saying that I like, you know, for myself, you know, um, the whooping continues until the lesson is learned. And for some reason, I still hadn't learned my lesson. And I continued to get beat up by the last of alcohol, you know, and I continued to go do it. And I can remember getting out my last time. What I did is, uh, you know, I'm married, I have a kid. And for me, I don't care about my kid. I don't care about my wife. And I'm not going to tell you that, that I love my wife. And I'm not going to tell you that I love my kid because something came in front of both of them. You know, and, and, and that's the bottom line for me. And um, I can remember getting out, going to a motel room, and it was called the Saddleback Inn in Santa Ana. And um, I went to this motel room. I didn't go home to see my family. You know, I went to that motel room because, you know, the monkey was on my back. You know, it was just on my back, and I needed to get the monkey off my back. So what I do is, I, you know, I treat myself, so I think. And... Um, what happened is uh, I'm on probation, I'm running out of money, and um, I don't have nowhere else to go. And, 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 and I got to tell you, you know, so I made a phone call on a Thursday, and my phone call was uh, to the Hope House in uh, Anaheim, you know, and I looked, up in, looked it up in the, um, in the phone book, and, um, and I said, I need help you know, and I need a bed. And uh, what they told me is, uh, okay, be here at Monday at 10 o'clock and we have a, we'll have a bed for you. And I don't know about you, but I'm an alcoholic of the, of the hopeless variety. Excuse me. And if you give me Monday, uh, Thursday to Monday to do something, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know what I'm going to do. I, I really know what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to continue, you know, uh, committing suicide on an installment. And, and, and that's exactly what I did. And it got to be uh, 10, uh, 10 o'clock and I'm gonna be late. And um, so I called the Hope House and I said, hey, look, this is Aaron and, and, and I'm gonna be late. I won't make it for the 11 o'clock appointment. And, um, and they said, well, if you don't make it at 11 o'clock, we're gonna have to give the bed to somebody else. My heart dropped. And when my heart dropped, it, 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 it was like, crazy, you know, and, and I really thought I was going to die. And uh, so what I did is I made one more call. And uh, the next call was uh, to the Rock Center in Garden Grove. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but it, it was the Rock Center. And there's something about rocks that I identified with. And that's the center that I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna go to. So, you know, it's like, oh, that's a home for me. And um and so uh, they told me to be there Wednesday at, uh, at uh, nine, uh, 10 o'clock. And, you know, I didn't have any tags on my car. I didn't have any valid uh, uh, driver's license. And I certainly didn't have insurance. And I'm on probation. So that's four strikes against me. I don't know how I'm going to get from Santa Ana to uh, Garden Grove without any police activity. You know, we say in this program, God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You know, and for some reason, I prayed that morning. And I said, just get me there and I'll do what you need me to do. Got me to the Rock Center at nine o'clock that morning. 
And that was on July the 22nd, 1997, you know? And, 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 and the best thing about that was I had a drink before I went there and uh, they did not do a, a urinalysis test on me. You know, I, again, God doing for me what I could not do for myself. They checked me into that facility and um, I just haven't found it necessary to take a drink since that day. And, and, and I'll tell you how I haven't been able to take a, I haven't wanted to take a drink since that day. You know, it's going into the rock center. You know, it's, um, I like to tell you that it was just a quick fix. I, I, I'm, I'm not a guy that's gonna get along with everybody, you know, because I don't like everybody. And um, I got a tour of the rock center and, and it was, uh, these girls gave me a tour of the rock center and I just thought I was in heaven, you know? And when I, you know, and that was an attraction for me, you know? That was my first attraction in Alcoholics Anonymous. Somebody else cared about me to give me a tour in the Rock Center and said, welcome, you know? And uh, that resonated big time with me. And, um, and I got to have a room just with one roommate and a restroom. So my experience was really, really, really good. You know, and I remember calling my probation officer, tell her, hey, I'm at the Rock Center. And um, and that's where I'd be, here's my address. And uh, she never called me back or anything. And so it kind of had me a little scared because, you know, um, I like to run. You know, I got a lot of shoes and, and, and I'm a runner. And, um, and so she never called me and then I can remember sitting in the kitchen doing my uh, chore and talking to a guy and somebody said, Aaron, your PO's out there and she wants to see you now. I'm at the back door. She's not gonna see me take off. And it scared me, but something I heard in a meeting is um, you don't ever have to live like that again. You don't ever have to drink again. Even if you want to, you don't have to. And for some reason that clicked in my mind. When it clicked in my mind, I went out there and faced her. She went to search the room and said, since you're here, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna let you uh, do this program. And, and that was the best thing uh, uh, that ever happened to me. You know? And I, I would like to tell you that I surrendered right then and there. It was in July. And I, I, I I, I'll tell you the story. And the story, let me see what, uh, the story is we had a picnic you know, and I didn't want to participate in the picnic. You know, I was hungry, but I didn't want their food, you know, and uh, and then I wanted to character assassinate everybody in the picnic along with the guy that I uh, made friends with. And uh, so we did that. And one of the directors came up to both of us and said, Aaron, you guys have two choices here. Come into this picnic and be a part of the picnic or we'll make you a part of the picnic, you know? And I'm like, oh, that's door number two. Make me a part, you know, show me what you got, you know? And they said, not a problem. And uh, I don't know how they knew. Uh, I'm not a water sport guy. I don't know how they knew it, but they gave these two 12 year old kids, uh, these super soakers. And uh, they told those kids to go get me wet, soak me up with the super soakers. I can tell you, exactly what I did. I looked at them and said, if you come near me, I'm gonna kick your ass, right? You know, that's really what I said. And they looked back at me and says, so what? 
you know, and uh, all of a sudden they proceeded to chase me with these super soakers. And my only reaction was to turn around and take off running. And I didn't get very far before they started soaking me up and they started wetting me up. And, you know, my other reaction was to take the gun from them and started uh, wetting those kids up. You know, there were two 12 year old kids that helped save my life. There were two 12 year old kids that showed me that there was something bigger than me and that I could be a part of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know? And those two 12 year old kids saved my life, you know? And, 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 and that was another, another um, I, you can call it a spiritual uh, experience and you can call it a uh, uh, God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. And that started my process. What happened is I used to hear get a sponsor, start working the steps, you know, and, um, you know, and, and Frankie said something that, you know, is be honest, you know, it, you know, and uh, what happened was uh, I got a sponsor, you know, I got a sponsor that was in the same type of uh, work that I do. And uh, so he could possibly get me a job and, uh, and, and that did happen, you know, and, uh, that sponsor was good. He got me to where I needed to get. Then I got another sponsor. You know, I just go to a meeting at Garden Grove and this guy would talk louder than my head. He would talk louder than my head and he would say the same things over and over again. He would quote some pages out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and he would do it every single day that I was in that meeting. And, and that's the first guy I got, uh, got to uh, sit down and go through the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And when it started, when I started seeing things in the book and he started reading these things to me, you know, it said we could recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And to show other alcoholics precisely how we recovered is the main purpose of this book. That touched me, you know, and the main purpose of the book is to show us precisely how we can recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I thought it was talking about alcoholism. It's, it's, it's a mind, it's a body, and it's a spirit disease for me. And, and if I don't treat all three, it's like our triangle, unity, service, and recovery. It's just like if I don't work those and all those three sides equally, you know, I might fall, you know. And so I try to work them equally so I can become a whole person. And that's what these steps are doing, you know. It's, I admitted that I was powerless you know, and over alcohol. And I can see my life was unmanageable by me, you know, and I need to have something greater than myself in order to restore me to some type of sanity, you know, because what you're really saying to me is I'm crazy and a lot of my behaviors are crazy, you know, and I can remember in this meeting, it was a speaker meeting. And um, in the speaker meeting, you know, there was, there was this uh, lady that was speaking and she, and she was attractive, you know, and she was, and she carried the message, you know, but my thinking and my hearing was a little bit obscure. And, and what happened is uh, she started quoting chapter five, you know, rarely I've seen a person fail, you know, uh, who has thoroughly followed a path. She started quoting that. And I know down, down in chapter five, it says, if you want what we have and you are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. 
I don't know what happened, but I heard something different. And what I heard was her say, if you want what I have, come and ask me for it after the meeting and I'll give it to you, you know? And I almost got punched, you know, because, and, and what happened is uh, she said, Aaron, that's not what we're talking about. That's not what's in the book. You know, you need to just sit down and just learn how to stay sober and keep your mouth shut. You know, and that was the best thing uh, that, that happened. That same woman, that same woman, I went to Atlanta two years ago and I was in a meeting in Atlanta. She was in the meeting. And well, that was just like a beautiful reunion, you know. And, and so, um, you know, a lot of times my perception is off. You know, especially when I started getting sober, you know, and I started going to meetings and um, they used to say, if my hand is down, I'm, I'm not wanting to stay sober. But if my hand is up, you know, it's like I'm in the recovery, you know. And so what I what I learned in the third step is that um, I can trust. And I can have hope that this power greater than myself could restore me and, and give me some comfort and you guys and trust you guys. You guys helped me see that there was a way out of my alcoholism in my brain, you know? And I started going through that book. And when I started going through the book, it said that what the, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the disease centers in my mind rather than my body, you know? And I, and I resonated with that. And I said, somebody else talked about, you know, um, on 45, it talks about, uh, you know, that my problems could be solved, you know, um, and, and I just look towards God today. And when I look towards God, you know, I find relief, you know, um, I am so grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, in, in my sixth and seventh step, you know, I worked uh, my uh, fourth step and it wasn't that bad because of the simple fact that the fourth step for me was a step that I, I got to get right with me and I got to get honest with me. You know, and uh, the six and seven step were very vital to my recovery because it talks about character defects. And I know in the big book, it's only two, two paragraphs, two and a half paragraphs, you know, on the six or seven step. And so what I did, I had a sponsor that had got some outside help. And with his outside help, you know, he, he shared that with me. And so um, he gave me an exercise to do for my six and seven step because I had a lot of setbacks and hangups you know, and a lot of different things in life, you know, and um, I didn't know how I was going to get over those things, you know, I didn't like police, you know, I didn't like my school teacher, I didn't like my parents sometimes, you know, and I really didn't like my brother, you know, and at some point, I'm going to have to make amends to him, you know, and what I did is uh, on my uh, first, I mean, on my sixth step, is I, I listed three columns, you know, whatever my character defect was, you know, it could be honestly di dishonest, you know, hate, and um, and uh, the first column would be what um, what did it do for me in the past, and then the second I would list all the things that it did for me in the past, and the second uh, column would be why might it be difficult to give up, you know, and I list the things that why it's not going to be difficult, uh, why it's going to be difficult to give up, and the third column is what am I willing to replace those two columns with. And, you know, the first uh, the first uh, answer was God and asked you guys for help. And, you know, it's like I didn't know that you guys wanted nothing from me when I got here. I didn't know that. You know, I always thought that you wanted something from me. 
And, and the bottom line is you didn't want nothing from me but me to get better. And uh, so I did those things, you know, and then I got to make a list of all the persons that uh, I harmed. You know, I was number one on that list, you know, and, and the other, other person that I didn't know how to make an amends to would be my brother. And um, I can remember, uh, excuse me, I remember going to Palm Springs where he lived at the time. So I grabbed my son and um, I took him with me. And uh, we were gonna spend the night. I was gonna do my uh, man's, I had my letters all out, you know, and just gonna read them off, you know, but I had, a, I had an exit plan. And when I went and sat him down in his office and uh, started reading it out, and he just looked at me and said, it's just a little bit too late. You know, and uh, that that kind of hurt, but excuse me, you know, it's like the book says we're like a tornado through people's lives. And, uh, you know, I, I can't expect him to forgive me right away just because I've been sober for, uh, you know, a couple of years. You know, I just can't, you know, want him to forget. I want him to forgive me, but, you know, he just wasn't there yet. And he said, it's just a little too late. All I could do is just get in my car and come back to Orange County, you know, and, and that weared on me for a long time. And uh, because uh, and I didn't talk to him for a while. And after I got 10 years, you know, because I, I know I like to talk and I want people to believe me and I'm going to be convincing. But one of the things that I've learned in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, it's like I don't have to believe what I hear, but I cannot deny what I see. And, um, and I think he was thinking the same lines. Oh, my brother's just talking, he's just talking, you know, but now I'm seeing something different. He's, he's acting different, you know, and, and that's what I think Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's what I think the steps are here, here for. It's for me, it's to learn how to behave and treat people differently, and especially treat them the way that I like to be treated. And after I got 10 years, they had a little get together for me and uh, he showed up. You know, uh, I invited him, he showed up. And um, that was the day that he forgave me because he seen uh, some of the friends that I had and some of the people I've been hanging out and everybody that I was hanging out with was in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and it made a difference in his, uh, his thought process because he's saying that he only seen people like me and that's all he was arrested, you know? And so now, he can see the other side of the fence. And, um, and, and I'm so grateful that he uh, accepted that amends, you know, and, uh, and so I just continue to, to, to trudge, you know, this road and, and trudging means for me, it's just walking with a purpose. And I learned to walk with some type of a purpose in alcoholics. You know, I didn't have a purpose when I got here. I, I, I've learned to have a purpose and um, I can remember, um, I wanted to go back to court and um, I wanted to get my record expunged. You know, it's because Alcoholics Anonymous has just taught me so many different things through the process of working the steps. It's, I, I just wanted to, you know, have a clean slate and that's what I got when I came here. And, um, and so we went to court. I, so I called my brother and I asked him, would he go to court with me? And uh, he said, yeah. And then there was another guy in, um, in a meeting I go to, that's an attorney. And um, 
he said he would. And I, you know, all I did is showed up. And that's what I did. And I just showed up and everything was granted. Quite, I mean, quite naturally, there were some influences, you know, and sometimes I just need a little influence from another person, you know, and they influence, you know, them. But most importantly, there was like 30 letters that people wrote about me and Alcoholics Anonymous. See, that's where the, the uh, difference came. You know, they wrote something about me that I'm like, oh my God, I don't even believe that about me, you know, but the judge did. And, and what happened is um, they granted me my uh, expungement and um, I just haven't looked back since, you know, so I, I remember making this statement to God, if, if you get me to the rock center, I'll do whatever it takes. He got me to the rock center and I still do whatever it takes. You know, I, I'm an alcoholic and I tell you I'm an alcoholic because I'm telling you that because I cannot drink safely, period. You know, alcohol is not my problem because I haven't had a drink today. Thinking and behaving is my problem. And, and I continue to want to work on that. You know, it's like I, I do certain things in the, in, in the day. You know, I, um, I, I don't get on my knees in the morning, but before my feet hit the floor, I have prayed. And, and, um, and I just pray that this day goes the way that God wants it to go, not the way that I want it to go. And, and then I try to get to a, a minimum amount of meetings, you know, and my minimum amount is three. And then I try to do plus one, you know, and I don't go to meetings to, to hear stuff. I go to meetings to, to be a service most of the time, you know, and, um, and I go to be a part of the meeting or part of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know? And uh, when I stay a part of, you know, it's like plugging that, um, my light into my light socket, you know, it's, I can go plug it in and the light comes on. And, and the minute that I unplug it, the light goes off. And that's the minute that I don't want to disconnect from Alcoholics Anonymous, you know? And I continue to try to stay connected and plugged in you guys because you guys are the ones that saved my life and given me the life that I have uh, today, you know, uh, and I'm eternally grateful. So I was uh, at work the other day and um, a couple of the um, co-workers were telling me a story that happened to them at lunch. They went to uh, Jack in the Box or somewhere, you know, and they ordered their food and um, and when they went to the, the window to pay for it, the, the lady or the guy said, Some, the car ahead of you paid for it. And uh, they were telling me the story and they were so surprised that somebody would do something like this. And the first thing that came to my mind was alcoholics anonymous. Somebody paying it forward. You guys paid it forward for me to get here and have a seat that I have today. And I'm eternally grateful for that, you know, and that's the way my life continues to, to go, you know. Um, in, in the book, it, it, it talks about um, strenuous work with another alcoholic is vital. It says it's vital to permanent recovery. And so I, I look at vital is like taking a sign away from me and I die. So I got a strenuous work with another alcoholic. And, you know, it's something that I, I get to do today because it's vital to permanent recovery. And I just want permanent recovery to stay in my life, you know? And um, 
my, well, I think my favorite sentence is in the big book is, is that as X problem drinkers, our very lives depend on our constant thought of others and how we can meet their needs. And I tell you, out of these 23 years, you guys have met my needs. Every single one of them, you showed me the way. When I'm wrong and doing something, you tell me, you know? And and um, and the other part is that, like, um, you don't judge me. You don't judge me. You know, you, you, I tell you what I've done and you still don't judge me and you welcome me and you say, welcome home. I love that. And, you know, that's an attraction to me, you know, and, um, and somebody did that for me and has continued to do that for me. You know, it's like, I, I can remember, you know, like me and my kid getting in a fight and um, I, I mean, you know, I'm sober and I'm fighting my kid. I, I, I'm just, you know, I'm sober, I'm sober and I'm fighting my son. You know, and, uh, you know, and uh, the police drive by and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to jail. And, you know, it, I'm going to jail sober. Really? And um, they kept going. And then his mother called me and I thought she was going to call the police as well. And uh, I went and I talked to the guy that's my sponsor today and he wasn't my sponsor. And he just gave me some simple directions about making things right and just going home and, and, and calm down and just sit and go pray, you know? And, and there, that was some good direction, you know, because I didn't know what to do. I was just gonna run, you know? And um, I stayed still, you know? And, um, and what happened is um, he became my sponsor because of the direction that he gave me. And, and I just followed the direction that they give me because I don't know what's good for me. If I did, I wouldn't have, you know, uh, made it this far. You know, I got the Alcoholics Anonymous because of a guy, you know, and, and I stay in Alcoholics Anonymous because of another guy, you know, and, and then, you know, I work the steps, you know, so that I can stay in touch and stay connected with God. And, um, and God just uh, is, uh, he's he's my life you know and uh um <laughs> and so I, I i will share with you that these people have walked with me through a lot of things you know and, and, and you know my son is a um what you would call a mini me and um and we still don't have a good relationship today but any opportunity that we get to see each other uh, we enjoy it. Uh -oh, what is that? We enjoy it. So I think that's like five minutes or two minutes. Or what is it? Okay, five minutes. Thanks. And uh, we get to enjoy it. And um, and uh, um, but I don't have a real good relationship to the kind I want. You know, mistake the kind I would like. You know, and so uh, in closing, I will. Um, I will say this, if you're new, give Alcoholics Anonymous a chance to work in your life. Give Alcoholics Anonymous a chance to help you change your life. And if drinking is your problem, you know, it's a start by coming to Alcoholics Anonymous. And the one thing that I know for a fact that there's some information in the book, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And if I do what's in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I will have some type of transformation from the information that I've gotten from the big book of Alcoholics.
Alcoholic Synonymous, you know, and uh, that has helped me in my life. And uh, it's taking a broken man and um, putting a piece of them back together to try to make them whole, you know, but it, it, it wasn't a night, an overnight matter, you know, and I, uh, that's why I stay in Alcoholics Anonymous because I want to continue to grow. You know, is when I got here, I was contaminated. And, and me being contaminated mean I had some, a whole bunch of wounds on me, you know, and, and, and I, I had like open source, just, just, uh, uh, just an example, you know, and the only way that those sores and those wounds and that contamination would heal is, is it's gonna heal from the inside out, you know, and, and I just treated all those wounds and those, uh, uh, that contamination with Alcoholics Anonymous and some steps. And, and some praying and some going to some meetings and just following some simple direction. I, I just did those things. And all of a sudden the wounds started going away, the contamination started going away and, and I started growing in a different area, you know? And, and, um, and today, you know, I, lo I love sports, you know, and, um, you know, I, I wanted to be a baseball player. I didn't become a baseball player. You know, and, and, and I wanted to play basketball, you know, I played, but, you know, today I, I can do things in those particular sports, you know, that, uh, that fill my, uh, fill my joy, you know, and I get to do that only because of alcoholics anonymous, you know, working this 12 steps uh, allowed me to become free, you know, and, and our vision for you, I believe it is, you know, it says great things will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. And the great fact for me today is that I can sit here from, uh, in front of you guys on a computer screen and, and let you know how well Alcoholics Anonymous works because it works 100% the minute that I continue to work Alcoholics Anonymous. And now Alcoholics Anonymous is working me because I continue to work the steps, you know? And so I'll close with this. You guys didn't see them. You didn't see him. I got a, I got a, a, a freaking maniac for a roommate. I, I mean, he's crazy. He's nuts. And and the only thing I came up with, I live alone. You know, and uh, oh, that's that's my maniac. So anyway, thank you guys so much for twelve step with me. Thanks, uh, Laura and Hedge uh, for asking me to come here and share a little bit of me with a whole bunch of you guys. You know, and I hope that one person heard. One thing that one of the people that spoke here tonight that can help them in their recovery because what, what it says, you know, is um, it works. It really does. Thanks.